Disney is leveraging the brand, the Marvel brand on many of their platforms, films and television shows and mm-hmm. Disney parks, DC. You can see the comic book characters in, at Six Flags Magic Mountain or any Six Flags amusement park and films, television shows. Where I guess my conversation about that with you is how are they leveraging this? Like what, what's going on here? What, how are they doing this? Like it, it has to be money. I know it's money driven, but what is enticing them? What's leveraging them to, to keep it decent? And saying, let's talk about that. Like, yeah, like, like Disney, Disney's leveraging all of this as well as DC that it goes back to our conversation. Like DC wants Disney wants to get DC and, or well, Warner brothers, has rights to DC, DC and right, right. I I think what leverages Marvel to push forth this strong business plan of capitalizing on people's love for characters that don't exist, kind of like how I love Jean Valjean. Yes, like he doesn't exist, right? But I love that character. It's I think it's just merchandising. It just comes down to merchandising, and I know I th- I know this because I. At my school, we had a speaker come in, uh, this guy, he was like a storyboard artist or a concept artist for the Green Lantern show, which I didn't even know existed, but apparently came out like in the 2000s or late 2000s. And it only went for a few seasons. And the guy was telling us, he's like, yeah, the studio stopped running the series because the toys weren't selling. Mm, and yeah. the whole basis of these shows was just to sell toys and, comic and shirts book, and comic book numbers were going down at that time too, because nobody and, was buying comic books. And I'm sure that the green lantern movie that came out at that time didn't help yeah. any because it wasn't. Um, I, remember, but yeah. I remember that story where comic book sales were down and the comic Marvel and DC were just scrambling on how to leverage these comic book characters and what do we do? We what do they do? Put them on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put them on the big screen because that's a quick sell. That's an easy sell. And that's how they become. That's how these characters till this day become relatable because nobody because the comic book universe is different. Much well, it's different in a way that those who grew up reading comic books. Go to well, I don't want to stereotype, but it, they grew up in a world, or they grew up reading comic books because that's how you, that's how you become relatable with these with these characters, like uh-huh. Spider Man, Superman, Batman, the, the normal usual like X Men whatnot, and but when you put them on the big screen, it be they become much more relevant. We're a content-driven society right now. Correct. And we want to, we don't read as much books anymore or read comic books as much. We just watch them. Yes, yes, we <laughs> or do. Or play them on on a gaming platform. <laughs> yes, yes. Or uh, not even cards, because cards, because I have the X-Men 94, 95 Fleer really? Ultra cards. Yeah, uh, they're, so, they're so fun. I love having, I love, like, this is like, well, can you imagine DC comics or DC characters being at the happiest place on earth? <laughs> <laughs> I think 
they would have to reframe what is happy because some of those characters <laughs> are just they're broody they're john snowish broody well, um, i think we saw that with well i'll put it this way with the winter Sol- with the falcon and the winter soldier that series it was there they said a lot of cuss words they did yeah and i'm like disney really unplugged themselves to allow this that because disney's always about oh family friendly and and then you see the trend of wandavision and agents of shield you're starting to see a trend of okay now our character the I'm seeing that the characters write, well, not the characters, I'm seeing the demographic of people who are watching, who grew up watching these characters like X-Men, whatnot, like which is our generation, are now, I feel like Disney's starting to go with the generation that it that grew up with them and starting to say, hey, we need to mature these characters a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Because I agree. If you point these characters to like my niece who's like five years old or even turning six, I'm like, they they're not really gonna understand who these characters are. And I feel like the younger generation will understand that, will understand these characters. It's like I feel like Disney is just taking these Marvel characters, even DC's doing the same thing and make it relevant to our generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like we're well, it, at, I'm in my 30s and I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> well, it, it's funny that you say that because I noticed the trend of comic books in the 30s and the 40s to the 60s to the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s. Like earlier, I mentioned my favorite comic series. If I had to pick one, how dare you make me pick one? It would be Planetary. Really? Planetary. It was, you know, because it's like that's a really strong, mature, real world ish idea of superhumans or like rising stars would be another great example of real world superheroes. And I noticed this trend, like you just mentioned, how the Disney is changing this, the characters based on the culture of this, the society that it's like, you know, in 2021. We're probably not going to talk about as much about these certain things because these are more important. So for the next five years, we'll focus more on this specific thing and then we'll reevaluate. Right? I don't know what they're seeing. Yeah, that's what I've been seeing with Disney. They've been focusing a lot of the social, economic, social, cultural, social, political. Right. Yeah. I don't know about DC because DC just doesn't want to touch it. I feel like they don't want to. DC is very conservative. That's, that's a great way. Yeah, that's yeah they're very conservative. They haven't been touching too much of what Disney's been doing. And, yeah. and that made me question a little bit, like, is Disney getting a little too political here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard, though, because from my, my point of view is you can't, like, if you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So if yes. you're not political, if you're not political, then you're a jerk. How dare you, Disney? You have a billion-dollar franchise in your hands. You're not using it for the greater good. Well, but, on top of that, you're trying to. Well, Walt Disney always said that when you go to Disneyland, you escape from the realities of of what's going on in everyday America. But when you're bringing that stuff into, I guess what what's going on, Alejandra, is that Disney, which is a big brand, they needed to, and they have platforms that, like the news organization of ABC News, ESPN, on the right. side. 
and you have Marvel and the films, they had to, they had to respond to all of these. Cause if Disney doesn't, if DC's not going to do it, if Warner brothers and DC was not going to do it, we're not going to do it. Who will? And, right. And, and how can we relate it to, to today's, current 2021 soon to be 2022 standards right that's it's a tricky it is it's a question it is isn't it it makes you think about and i had this conversation with my girlfriend tina and i said do you think disney's just getting too political here i feel like they you know they're i applaud them for tackling down all these society societal issues right and to have dc comics on the warner brothers side i feel like they're more focused like again goes back to their focusing more on staying away from the social social climate whereas disney and marvel they'll tackle it they want to tackle it right i applaud them for taking that risk because honestly who would (laughs) Well, it's it's funny because I know that I've seen this before in the older issues of Marvel, where Stan Lee would actually would write at the end of an issue like I, he would say something like, "I know that these some of these topics are very sensitive, but these the, this platform of comics is meant to be a social platform to to take a look at our culture." And this was in the '60s and '70s. And when that he was, was Stan Lee, and that was Stan Lee's intention too. Yeah, that was he's, he. Write, he would write that's his his Stanley soapbox. But yeah, that you're right. That was his intention. I mean, that's why he created the X Men. Right? It was racism. He was dealing with racism in his own way. God bless Stanley. We miss you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we miss you, Stan. He always shows up in the films, and every time I watch now the you know Captain Marvel, I think that was one of my favorite films out of the series and the storylines altogether. When with DC, well, not DC Marvel was the Captain Marvel. <laughs> it brought me back to seeing Blockbuster video in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, yeah. I applaud for Marvel to doing what they do best, and that is to focus on, to, especially with Disney. I felt like Disney did the right thing on acquiring. I know people would say, no, Marvel should have just been its own end. They're still their own entity, but they're part of the Disney brand. But I feel like there was a lot more stories to be to be told and and Marvel was it. And right. I feel like the store when you going back to us talking about all these social, you know, what it, the society issues that were going on right now. I feel like they they have a each of us have a story. These stories have well, Marvel has stories to tell about this and how they should tackle it just as Disney's been doing. They'll never stop yeah. telling stories. Yeah. And, and I, I hear this, I hear this too all the time. Like, well, you can't tell that story. That story's already been done. It's been done a hundred times. Like, yeah. Like if you look at Romeo and Juliet, it's just uh, Shakespeare took it from Tristan in Isolde, which is an older Greek, an older story of two people falling in love. One of them kills each other and he just rewrote it to the modern what times. Think, what do you think is, what do you think DC is lagging on right now, especially these films and how, how, how are they keeping themselves relevant? They're spewing out films, but yeah, but it's not cohesive. That's the thing. 
not cohesive. So if you look at, I know that there's, I did this research paper for, for my, one of my classes a few terms ago. And I found out that somebody, there's somebody in Marvel, in the Marvel Studios, the publishing car, who will look at the titles every week and make sure that if Spider-Man is in this planet for this issue in Earth-616, which is a standard Marvel universe, then he can't be helping the Fantastic Four of Earth-616 in that, you know, in that, uh, in that month's issue of the Fantastic Four because he's in this world. So like, there's this like cohesiveness, there's an organization to the stories. And I think what DC is lacking and why people love the Marvel movies so much is that there is a cohesiveness. There's a cohesiveness in Marvel that DC, the films, the DC films are lacking. Like I know Zack Snyder, who's an Art Center alumni, he, they were doing a Snyder universe and, you know, Snyder was doing his whole gray neutral tone very dark world but then they they stopped it for whatever reason they stopped after jla or batman versus superman i forget which one and it's funny how you mentioned how dc and i said this warner brothers and I'm, i know you're familiar with the cw network which yeah. airs a lot of the television shows of dc like arrow which is now uh, not canceled, but it ended. The series ended, and you have Flash, which is still ongoing. The you Supergirl? have the, you have Supergirl, the Flash, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, and Batwoman. And I, I feel like oh, Superman and Lois. You have. I feel like DC on the film side hasn't been strong enough. Hasn't been strong compared to the TV side. Right. The TV side is much more stronger than the film side because is it? I, I'm just crunching in my head. What Warner? You have the money. Why? Why are you? I wonder if it's because they want to keep it relatable. These characters relatable on the small screen than in the big yeah. Screen. Yeah, that would be interesting to to get their point of view. Why? What's their strategy behind the TV side, and why isn't it cohesive in the movie side? Because I think when we, like, when we watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I got a little excited when they were making references to like, oh, that's right, that happened in that movie, and they're talking about it right now in this show. And it's just, I think it's like it kind of builds everything together. Like when you read a title, like when you read a. Uh, like a meet, like the Secret Wars, right? When you read that, it's like a nine issue maxi series, and then you have all these side issues. Like, you know, the main title is the Civil War or the Secret Wars thing. Then, like, if you read King, uh, uh, like Spider Man issue ten of that month, you'll find out that Spider Man is dealing with other stuff on top of the Secret War. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it just comes back to like, why is it? Why isn't DC doing that? You're right. Because that would be a great opportunity for them to build that cohesive brand and let people know that this stuff happening in Supergirl episode three is an after effect of something that just happened in the JLA movie because they're referencing some building that was in the movie. You know? Well, it's funny how we're talking about that because in the Justice League, and I have my I have my opinions about just about the flash and the justice league and the actual film itself versus the television show, because the actor who plays the flash on the television show, Grant Gustine, 
and you have another, you have the younger version of the flash in the, I'm like, that flash is not relatable. I don't like that flash. I like this flash. Yeah. On, yeah. On, on the CW Grant Gustine's character. Cause it's like, Grant Gustine is the actor of the flash on, on the CW. And I'm like, I like this version because he's, he's emotional. His, he's very aggressive and he'll, he, he'll take, he's, he'll take things. He'll hold himself accountable for his team. Like he'll take yeah. the team because he is. Yeah. And I'm like, you see it in the justice. I'm like, who is this guy? I was like, that's yeah. And that's why you're saying like, they're lagging on the cohesiveness. Right. Right. I'm like, come on, DC. You know, you, I know you're trying to separate the TV show from the, from the film series, from the film itself, but come on, I like Grant Gustine. <laughs> well, I mean, I think a great example of them being cohesive is I was watching the Doom Patrol on HBO Max. Really? I, I like that show. Um, it's another Grant Morrison. If you ever read it, Grant Morrison did a great run on that. But I was watching Doom Patrol and then I was watching Teen Titans. But it's, really? like, it's like an aggressive, like explosive violence Teen Titans. And there was a crossover episode where the Teen Titans, one of the, uh, I think it was Raven was at the house of the Doom Patrol and that's where she met Beast Boy. And then he became a member of the Teen Titans. And I thought like, that's so cool because I get to see uh, the robot and I get to see uh, Negative Man and all these characters from Doom Patrol and they're interacting with somebody from the Teen Titans show. Like, why can't that happen more frequently? Because I would love that crossover that's the term i want to use now because the tv shows on the cw because they're all in the same realm right now i yeah. i love the crossover episodes where you have like a four-part episode one is, part one is the flash or or the arrow and then you have basically you you cross over all of the Flash, Supergirl, Superman, The Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, all they all come together. And I love those crossover episodes because they they're all not just on the same team, but they're fighting against a cause. Right. And well, fighting for a cause and against an enemy, a, a constant enemy <laughs> right right it, it i think it just makes you believe in something bigger yes right and, like with and that was the one thing about the film about the film series for marvel side with the avengers like you watch all these side films like captain marvel and it all started with it all started with good golly it all started with iron man mm -hmm. and then now and then you have captain america all of these films all came together to build the Avengers. Right. Right. Isn't, isn't that cool? Like you never thought, I never thought I would see that because it costs a lot of money. It's making these films. And yeah. Yeah. And I know like when Iron Man Marvel bought, Marvel was bought by Disney after Iron Man. So I think it was like Iron Man two and onward. It was Disney owned. But when they first did Iron Man, it was just Marvel Studios. 
and they did skip they did mess up a few times like i think Thor one and two were some of the weakest films that they've done but when they hit the ball like when they hit the ball they hit it out of the park it was like black panther with the avengers uh civil war or uh, you know the civil war and winter soldier and the infinity war end game with all age of ultron like all of those they hit they, they all hit them. end game was like they hit it out they hit it out of the park they hit it out of the park every time but we have to recognize that it's probably like a huge financial risk for them to take on like doing this like crossover multi-film event because i don't think it's ever been done before like this is the first time we've ever seen this happen well, take a look at who the talent Take a look, well, take a look at the talent pool on that on these films and television shows, especially on the film side, for especially Batman. Okay. I am gonna talk about Batman a little bit more, a little bit after we talk about this, but the you have oh gosh, what's his name? You have when it came to the Justice League, you have Jason Momoa as Aquaman, and then you have Ben Affleck as Batman. They're co- they're very cost. They're very the talent is very costly to have. Right. And right. you take a look at the Marvel side. It's like, oh, Disney has the money; they can pay these people. <laughs> Right, right, because they have, yeah, they have all this back, all this huge... They can, they can bring in all the star-studded talent that they can bring. They, they, yeah. They're, they're disposable. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, yeah. they're not disposable. The talent pool that Disney uses, they, Disney likes to recycle their talent. And they do. They want to keep them in that pool because it costs more money to hire someone new than to keep within their talent roster that they have. And, right. And that's why when they have Marvel, all Disney went all in when they got Gwyneth Paltrow, they got uh, Tom Holland, they got Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth, you know, you, you, the list goes on, you know, Robert right. Downey Jr. And it's like, all right, what does that? What does DC Comics have? Who do they have in their talent pool besides, you know, Ryan Reynolds going back and forth between the Green Lantern and Deadpool? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's funny. Um, it's just the two different, two completely different strategies and how they handle their stuff in, in terms of comics and movies. And that's what it comes down to. It's just two very different strategies. Well, that and then the money aspect of it, because you, who has the most money? Who has the most, who has the buying power and the leverage to, to keep these characters relevant? Because there's a lot of royalties that you have to pay out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Something to think about, by the way. If you're living on borrowed time, do you have to return it? Heads up! Why do we say heads up when we really mean duck? If time and reality are a construct, what if we could rebuild it? Question everything. We did. The all-new Hyundai Tucson. Original series from Marvel Studios, now streaming. How many reiterations have we seen Batman, uh, Alejandro? 
how many actor reiterations, you know, you, I'm a, I always grew up with Adam West as Batman and then Michael Keaton as Batman and Val Kilmer. Val, geez, uh, Christian Bale. It, and we had okay. so Christian Bale, I, like. <laughs> I like Christian Bale. He was a great Batman. And it was actually an earlier iteration of Batman prior to Adam West of like, an, I, I saw this, I don't know how I found it. It's like this old serial film of Batman and Robin. And I forget who the actor was, but it's so funny, Kevin, if you ever get to see it, it was funny because I was watching this like 1940s serial of Batman or 1950s and Batman is driving around with Robin and they're changing their clothes in the car. Is it black and white still? <laughs> it was black and white. It was, and like the Batman was kind of like this pudgy, like, New Yorker looking, I'll fight it with my fist kind of thing. And I just thought it was so comical. Um, so it just, yeah, there's been so many iterations of Batman. Yeah, my comments behind that is I like the Michael Keaton version, Adam West, and I do like Christian Bale as Batman because that was the darker version of Batman that I liked. Yeah. Yeah, that was a real like that would be what is if Batman was in real life like what that's that kind of the technology? actual Batman and yeah. I haven't seen that part of Batman since Michael Keaton and because Michael Keaton was very genuine with right. Batman in Batman one and two and as soon as you got to Val Kilmer and it went downhill. I was like, yeah, George Clooney. That was the other one. George oh yeah, Clooney. George Clooney. Oh gosh, that was that was an epic fail, in my opinion. That was like, <laughs> I think my favorite line from that movie with George Clooney and Arnold Schwarzenegger was "Ice to meet you." <laughs> when yeah. Mr. Freeze is like got his freeze gun, he's like "Ice to meet you." <laughs> like, oh my and, god. Um, yeah, with Arnold Schwarzenegger playing. Yeah, yeah, that was that was such a bad film. Mr. Freeze, not even a uh, horrible film. Yeah, and then you start to get to like, I know people had their fair share of comments about Ben Affleck becoming Batman. Like personally for me, I do have mixed feelings about that, but to which it may. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I normally like, honestly, if I had to go the ranking, it would be Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Adam West. That's it. <laughs> All the others. Okay. <laughs> Christian Bell would be number one. And then I think Ben Affleck would be number two. Really? Yeah. Cause Ben Affleck has, he's, he's got the build of like that, uh, like this, uh, the Frank Miller of Batman, you know, the Frank Miller style of Batman, like this big bulky older dude, just going to pummel you with his fists. Uh, Christian Bale was just felt more a mixture of like having the strength, but also being stealthy. I like the Batmobiles, the ones that, especially the the one of the Christian Bale films, the one that Batman. Yeah, and then it goes to the act, the, the nineteen eighty nine film uh, Batman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then Batmobile. it gets like super, super corny, super cheesy. <laughs> yeah, it's still lovable, still lovable. And the other thing else I want to talk about is let's so. Disney is about to open Avengers Campus at Disney's California Adventure Park in Anaheim on June 4th. Are you planning to visit, Alejandro? I would love to. I am still in Fremont and I'm vaccinated. 
So I'm good to go for that, but I would love to go to the Avengers campus. I haven't been to like Disneyland or I haven't gone to theme parks or done anything like that in years. Really? Um, but yeah, I would love to do I that. Or I have not. Uh, it just looks like a lot of fun. It like is. a lot of fun. Let's take a look at it. Overwhelming in the best way possible. We are ready to shoot our webs in web slinger. <laughs> what did you do on the ride? When the uh, Sparta bot exploded was really cool. Web slinger is by far the best ride here now, for sure. Faith, courage, and compassion. To have representation in the parks here, we can come here and see ourselves in the shows and know that we can be heroes as well. Pim Test Kitchen is so cool because they, they have Pim particles and you see little pretzels that get enlarged <laughs> in the in the quantum device and it's like how are they, how do how do they do that? That was so delicious. I am obsessed. So what are your comments about that? That looks really fun. That looks awesome. Right? I, yeah, it looks like you could just step into another world for a, for a day, escape. That looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, you have Star Wars at Disneyland, but you also have, I think this is going to be, for those who are comic book lovers and Avengers and Marvel, you're going to see a lot of, including yourself and myself, frequenting there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just got to figure out how much it costs. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you want to know something? So they have a yeah. sandwich that I don't know if you heard this in the reports, but they actually have a sandwich. It's in the Avengers campus. And it's worth a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars sandwich. <laughs> to come with a free comic book. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, <laughs> OK, so show I, I get a feeling I'm going to ask someone at Avengers campus or someone at Disney and say, Hey, can I have like a sample taste of that hundred dollars? <laughs> <laughs> sure. $20. <laughs> $20 for a sample. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. It is. What's the one thing you're Cause I think that what started that was the guardians of the galaxy attraction. And then obviously bugs life was just starting to show its time, but they had to expand. They Marvel literally needed a land for themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's a matter of reinforcing the ideas that Disney knows their audience. They know that people want to escape. Yeah, and now it's and it goes back to the art of storytelling and comic books. Stan always 
talked about his books, his comic books, and even his films and television shows each have a story. You, you follow, it's like, you can't, if you miss one episode on a television show, you just miss the whole entire premise of what, because they all interconnect. It's like, right. you can't go from right. one chapter to the next. <laughs> right, right. You did. Yeah. I mean, like, I know that Stanley would always do like these little paraphrase, right? At the very beginning of the issue. So if you did miss an issue before, mm-hmm. but I know what you mean. It's like, yeah, you, you can't, they make it so you can't miss anything. So you've got to see it all. Yeah. That's how they get you. That's and it cool. works. And it works. I know. I'm excited to go to, going back to Avengers Campus, I'm excited to go to Avengers Campus. And I think this is a bit, this would be a big hit for Disney since Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And yeah. I feel like there's a, it goes back with DC comics coming to Disney, it's like, okay, so where can we, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. And then the next thing I want to talk about is, cause I know we're, we're always here on time here, which let's talk about the Marvel and DC films because the films and television shows are, they have their respective talent. I want to go back to that, mm-hmm. but let's, there's, a few films I want to share with you. And I think you're going to get a little excited here. And I think I know what films you're going to, you're thinking about that I'm going to introduce here. And I want to hear your okay. comments about it. Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. How long do we have? Seven days. We're Eternals. came here 7,000 years ago to protect humans from the deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos or any war or all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? We need to find the others. I haven't seen some of them for centuries. Hi. Hello. This is what the end of the world looks like. At least we have front row seats. You know what's never saved the planet? Your sarcasm. We have loved these people since the day we arrived. When you love something, you protect it. You can't protect.
built the perfect safe house. Well, what's this even made of? Vibranium? <laughs> collection Ikea I know what this place is the timekeepers have built quite the circus and I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this too. Protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. Luckily, he believes in himself enough for the both of us. It is adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me. I'm ten steps ahead of you. You're not big on trust, are you? You can trust me. Loki, I've studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. Why never do it again? I don't know about you, but... Disney's really going all in. They are going all in. We just saw a clip from the Eternals and from the Loki show. And I'm really pumped because it's funny that the Eternals is actually a Kirby idea. Really? Kirby was, Kirby was really into, uh, <clears throat> he's really religious, like really into like these new worlds, new gods kind of thing. Because he created the, the fourth world for DC Comics, the new gods. Mm-hmm. And he created the Eternal stuff for, um, or Marvel. And I, I think he also created the Celestials too. Like these ideas of like things that are so big, we can't imagine what they would look like. And if you look at the original designs for the Celestials, like all these ornate technical machinery and all, like all this stuff, that's all Kirby. That's all I, Kirby. I feel like through. Eternals is going to open up a whole new world for Disney in a way mm-hmm. where they haven't. Take a look at the star sided cast that was on there. You have Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Sama Hayek. Sama Hayek. Yeah. And, and many others that we've known and seen and watched on various television shows and films. But just to see Disney's really, and then take a look at the culture based of it. It's really 
like I said, it, it goes back to what you're saying about Stan Lee and, and what he what he was doing with the X with X Men and event and the Avengers and whatnot. It's just I don't think he would have ever seen that on the DC side. No, I think like we said earlier, I think DC is very conservative, mm-hmm. and like you said earlier, Marvel is not afraid to encroach upon cultural topics that can be sensitive. Well, like now more than ever, like take a look at there's a film that there's, well, it's, I think it's a film or a TV show that's going to be coming out either on Disney plus or it's a Marvel it's by Marvel entertainment. It's called Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, I, I feel like Disney and Marvel are embracing on again, it goes back to all this culture Right, because normally you wouldn't see this, right? Thirty thirty to fifty years ago, right? And and I'll say this too: it would be really nice to have some Hispanic representation for the Marvel Studios. Because I can't think, I can't think of a single character right now that's Hispanic. (laughs) (laughs) Besides Pixar, Pixar does a great job of representing all cultures. But what I'm saying is, like, if you look at the Avengers, most of the team members are white or um, depending on the rotation, maybe white. I think there's a few uh, African-American characters, uh, just Chinese characters. There's uh, characters from India, Miss Marvel. The kid Miss Marvel is an Indian character, but there's no Hispanic characters there, like no Hispanic representation. Right. I think there's a few in D.C., but that's it. That's it. Yeah. I, I was speaking to a lot, to some, not a lot, but to some Marvel fans and comic book fans, and they're looking forward to Loki. If they, yeah. if they like WandaVision, yeah, they, well, some of them had some mixed feelings about it, as mm-hmm. well as, uh, good golly, my smalling. Uh, they had the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. I feel like, if you take a look here, let me share my screen one more. Let me share my screen. Take a look at the pletitude of all of this title, all these titles that they have. Yeah, that's a lot. It's, oh, I didn't realize that they had X Men. That, that would make sense. They have the X Men because they own them. They own. They Fox. do. Look at all these titles that Marvel has, and then. Obviously, if you go on the CW side, it's all film. And and then you take a look at DC Comics. You know, you could watch Batman and Superman, Wonder Woman, The Suicide Squad, Dark Knight, Man of Steel, Joker, Green Lantern. All of that could be it, compared to the roster of films, the lineup and television shows they have. It's like you already know who wins the war already. Right. Yeah, and if you look at these films too, like I know for the DC, they have the the Christian Christopher Nolan trilogy is like one of some of the best films I think of our generation. Yes, and they have if they have a few hits and misses, uh, but then if you look at Marvel stuff, it's like quality. Like Iron Man, such a great movie. Iron Man, the Iron Man series is such a great series. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the Avengers stuff. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy one or two, they're both funny films that you'll watch again and again. And 
and it just speaks to what makes you and myself and anybody watch this over and over again Uh, the quality quality the same reason that i read planetary i'll read that series again and again because it's quality storytelling and it's relatable and that is what disney's all about yes quality whereas on the dc comics side what they're not they're used to you mentioned they're conservative and i know you have no intention to bash dc comics because you respect them 110 uh-huh. percent but take a look at the like i said take a look at the, the portfolio of if we go here take a look at the there's not many right i think dc is really good at making animated films yeah but it's not the same thing. And it goes back to me, to you saying that they're, as it's in the rumorville, that having DC Comics be part of the Disney-esque deal would mm-hmm. actually help DC Comics tenfold. It, it, would, it would help them, but it would also, um, my concern would be is that it would, you talked about, oh, was the, What's that moderator you said? What's that yeah. word? I, the Council of Twelve. Mediator. Mediator. That's what it was. Mediator. Council of Twelve. Sorry, it sounds like a, a supervillain club. The Council of yes. Twelve. But a mediator. Yeah. I, I like my concern is that I, I think like Kevin Feige is like headlining the entire Marvel Studios vision with cohesiveness, quality of storytelling. But will that ha- will they have that same quality with DC? Like who has this, who, who's the Kevin Feige of DC? Right. That's Zack Snyder. That's why I was thinking like for Warner brothers to let go of, of something that, that they have in there, that they have the rights to Mm. is plainly in my opinion, I'll just be blunt, stupid. (laughs) Right. Because they want to have anything left, but discovery channel and, the Warner Brother characters, such as like Bugs Bunny and all the cartoon base, they won't have anything except they want to have. It goes out like there would be like it's like saying Pepsi joining Coke, right? Yeah, what would be Coke? Yeah. <laughs> like you're yeah. not gonna have a mixture of the two. Coke is still gonna be Coke, but, and Pepsi is still gonna be Pepsi. But if it if it comes down to the stories and if DC's running out of stories or running out of ideas, and yeah, it makes sense for them to come join Disney because they would mm-hmm. have they have they would have the platitude. Am I using that word correctly? <laughs> uh, I think I think you mean plethora. I'm trying to think of the plethora, word. Plethora. That's it. The plethora. Yeah. Yes, and we've used that word many times. Yeah. So for those who are listening, my vocabulary and my word usage not the best that's <laughs> <laughs> okay we're all learning we're all learning but in a way it just makes sense if they're looking at if it depends on at&t and what they're trying to what their strategy is right and for me it just makes sense for dc to come to disney but still create that war you know between right and they can still have partnership and 
I know people would say, no, that's monopoly and all that, but Disney just wants to own up and buy up everything that, that comes yeah. away. That makes sense in so many aspects, but it really depends on DC Comics and what they're, because Marvel, well, I don't know if you knew this, but Star George Lucas didn't want Lucas Arts to be part of Disney, but there was a lot of convincing to be done. Mm-hmm. And obviously, not to be, not, it was just like more of money was money was left on the table or money is on the table and mm-hmm. it had it just made sense for star wars to because disney didn't have enough can you imagine if mar if disney didn't acquire marvel or didn't acquire star wars what what would disney have or have left yeah yeah pixar which is still a heavy hitter but it's not reaching not. into the other parts of the audience like other parts of culture bingo and that, and that is something they were running out of stories, in my opinion. But I feel like the stories needed to continue, mm-hmm. and they need to be created. As we, there's one thing I don't know if you're looking forward to this. I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband, he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're going to wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. He's called Science Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated. Fully conscious, but no choices. I should have come back for you. How many others are there? Enough. We have to go back to where it all started. So they never do that to anyone again. We're a family. We fight with you. You won't win. I've always found it best. Not to look into the past. Okay, you got a plan or shall I just stay duck and cover? My plan was to drive us away. Where your plan sucks. At some point we all have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. choice. I'm done running. Here's what's going to happen. Natasha, don't slouch. I'm not slouching. You're going to get the back hunch. Listen to your mother. Oh my God, this... Up, up, listen. All right, enough. All of you. I didn't say anything. That's not fair. Comments? Wow. <laughs> that was the Black Widow trailer. That looks awesome. Right. I, I, I know very little about the Taskmaster, which seems to be the arch nemesis of the Black Widow, but I know that he can... He and one other character I know of named Echo 
can look at something and copy it, mimic them, they can mimic just by looking. And and I know that the Red Room, where the Black Widow was trained, there was a few other Black Widows that came after her. And I think that maybe that blonde person in the film, the trailer might be her. Maybe that's going to be her successor. I don't know, but I'm I excited. Question the relationship between Hawkeye and the Black Widow because of how they came together. Yeah, I feel like they were like best friends. Yeah. You know? Because they didn't show up until we didn't see them together until what was it? Which film was it? It was what part of the series was it? I think it was the first Avengers. We saw them together. Yeah. And I think civil uh, age of Ultron. We, we got to like, that's like, age about of Ultron. Budapest. Yeah. Like, so like remember Budapest? Like, yes. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember that age of all. I was like, wait, when did I see? Oh, age of Ultron. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it, it was unfortunate that that the Black Widow sacrificed herself in order to yeah. save others. And I'm like, no. Yeah, why? Was, why Scarlett a, Johansson? Why? Such a good series, though. Such a good like that. I kind of want to watch this again now that we're after we're done. <laughs> I don't watch How about movie. Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I know I'm a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy too, and that's something that I I'm looking forward to. They, there's no scheduled release or film for that, but I I'm a fan of Chris Pratt and yeah, so he's a dog. I never read the Guardians of the Galaxy. I was never into that series. Really? And I know the the original Guardians of the Galaxy were actually appeared in the second film. Like they were the 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 ones that came at the very end for Yondu's funeral because Yondu was like an original member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? Okay. Uh, but I don't like know anything beyond that. I mean, it, like, I think it's going to be a great film. I love the characters they have in the film, but beyond that, it's like, that's going to be all new to me. Well, my favorite characters on Guardians of the Galaxy is Groot. Well, the older Groot, Groot Baby Groot, and, baby Rocket, Groot. and Rocket. Rocket. Yeah. So it's funny you talk about Baby Groot. I know that we were talking earlier about merchandising. Yes. Somebody that uh, one of my instructors at Art Center he, one of his former students actually created baby Yoda. Yes. Um, and no it's way. just funny. Yeah. And it's just funny how like they're, they're baby Groot, baby Yoda, baby, this baby, that, cause they're looking for stuff. Disney's looking for stuff that they can put on a shirt or make a plushie out of, or some, something to put on a keychain that you're going to love because it looks cute. I and it's like, Groot. okay. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like that, that's, you know, three words. People love it. Um, and it's just so interesting how that merchandising is the driving force behind the, the quality of stories that we get. The reason why I like the the reason why I like Rocket is because he's so he's always brash and he'll always tell it like it is, and it's like yeah. something annoys him. He'll like <laughs> he'll get his Rocket and he'll be like, "Don't mess with me." Yeah, he's like <laughs> he's, he's a like, raccoon. I, I, he's a raccoon with like. With short temper. With short temper, indeed. Which superhero on either or comic book brand, in your opinion, are consumers and fans attracted to and will forever be part of their lifetime, especially yourself? And mine, I will tell you mine, and that is 
again, it goes back to Spider-Man and Batman. Mm-hmm. What about you? And what do you what, would, what about you? And what about what do you think people are? I think Superman, obviously, it's always going to be a heavy hitter. People love the idea of human perfection, right? And Superman is just like the American flag. It's red, white, and blue. Um, and it's true. Like, that's why people love Superman so much. So I think Superman's going to always be popular, no matter what. No matter how many generations pass, those people are going to love Superman. For That's for DC. For Marvel, I think it's either Spider-Man or Captain America. And the only reason I say Captain America is because of the movies. Because prior to the films, people knew Cap if you read the comics. But everybody knew Spider-Man. Everybody. So that's a, it's a coin toss between those two. Spider-Man's is the neighborhood is the neighborhood uh, <laughs> he's your next door neighbor he's the he's the teenager that stays up late doing homework and then you know fights your superhero <laughs> your neighborhood superhero people love that because they want to feel relatable to you they want to feel comfortable and captain america is america <laughs> he's america he's uh <laughs> yeah he's bravery and leadership all rolled into one do you realize that all we talked about was 110, well, I wouldn't say 110%, I would say a good bulk of our conversation was Marvel. Whereas yeah. it, was just, it was just, I felt like there was so much, like I felt bad for not talking too much about DC, DC because it, DC for me, again, it goes I didn't want to be too biased about one brand and I'm pretty sure you were looking at that either, but they're planning on that. But why is that? It goes back to that one question. Why, why are consumers like myself or people who are fans of comics and superheroes and are goes to Marvel versus DC? Well, I think it's the same reason that I love Les Mis. I talked about it before, Jean Valjean's story. And the same reason that people generation, like 30 years ago till now, love Norman Rockwell or they'll love Matisse or Monet, any of these painters. And it all comes down to one thing. If we were to simplify this to one word, quality. Quality, quality, quality. And quality never goes out of style you look at a rembrandt from 500 years ago and you look at it now and it still looks just as good as it did 500 years ago it probably looks better you know because all the paint didn't had yellowed up or anything but it's quality and marvel is so good at pushing quality that is their main driving point. And when we look at all their films and i mean quality just like in the costumes or the stories i mean quality in like overseeing the entire arch of their stories and their movies and saying Iron Man 3 is going to relate to Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in this way and it all comes back together and I think that's why we love watching Marvel stuff over and over again it's the same reason that I love reading Les Mis is because it's such a damn good story every time no matter how many times I've read it they haven't done a story they have well they haven't done they have not, oh, let me rephrase that. 
they have not done a film or TV show on that yet. On Les Mis? Yes. Well, they've done a musical. I love the musical with Hugh Jackman. Oh, <laughs> I'm a big fan no, of musicals. Wait, no, you mean less? Oh, you mean? Oh, wait, not the comic book. You're talking about Les Mis or Rob. Yeah, Les Mis or Rob. <laughs> uh, I was yeah. like, wait. Wait, Kevin, think, think. Follow where Hollywood is going with this is not a, a non-comic deal. <laughs> yeah, but I know it's it's a non-comic thing, but I try to look for parallels because I know that like Robinson Crusoe inspired the Green Arrow, and uh, the um, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde was an inspiration for the Hulk. And you know, there's always parallels. There's always inspiration from older literature. That was the one thing I think Disney also, well, Marvel took a spin with the twist with. Doctor Strange and yeah, I guess with Doctor Strange, if you're a doctor, a medical doctor, <laughs> going and being a superhero who goes yeah. time and state goes through time and parallels, it I was like, ah, gives gives me a new appreciation about doctors. Yeah, I mean the thing about that's funny about that is that the Doctor Strange comic got a little weird in the sixties because of certain artists that took over the series and he started putting like psychedelic trippy work. Is that really what it was in the comic book? Yeah. Like, like, like I forget what it was before, but I know that during the sixties, some artists took over, maybe it was the seventies and they did like some really wacky, like super tripped out kind of work for the background. And then Dr. Strange went from being like this doctor who fought magicians and stuff to like, Tripping in the other world and magician. getting all like he was a magician. magician. Yeah, yeah, some very trippy stuff. But also went also changed the parallels of time and yeah, and time. What is time and what is the multiverse and and explored all these possibilities for diff- telling different stories. Yeah, because you have multiverses and that that's different than on the on the DC side because you have different these, yeah different Earths. So if, if I don't know if this has changed because they change it like every 10, 15 years. But back in 2007, 2008, DC did this series called The Infinite Crisis. And yes, they had done, I did like that. Right, <laughs> yeah, and they had done something previously in the 80s with Marv Wolfman and George Perez called The, uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths. And that's where like they re, like in the 2007, 2008, they, they rebooted everything. Because I think at that time, DC had bought image uh they had bought jingley studio which is wildstorm and so they folded wildstorm into the dc universe and they had like arranged 52 universes and this was 10 50, almost 15 years ago now so i don't know if a new series has come out that's changed that again like if they're doing a whole other new 52 but there's always going to be a potential for a new story because prior to the new 52 like in the 90s dc had this series of called elseworlds and the first issue of that was called a uh, Superman Red Sun. And this was like a what if story if Superman had landed in Russia instead of the United States and what kind of person would he have become? And it's just like it opens. What I'm saying is it opens up like a whole world of possibilities for stories that I think I, I don't think DC or Marvel are ever going to run out of telling stories. It's just a matter of are they going to get tired of you know, are they going to get tired of doing the same I thing? I know that was the one thing it, uh, that was coming into my mind. Cause I had a conversation with a good friend of mine and I said, 
is Marvel, what is Marvel doing and what is DC doing? Are they, are they going to, are they going to continuously make new characters or are they going to continuously make new stories? What's going on? Right. Especially yeah. when it comes to the films, because films and television, they, they have their own, they have their shelf life or they have their, right. I wouldn't say shelf life, but they have their, their runs. And then right. when a series ends or when a film ends, it's like, okay, what's next? Like, especially when, when the Avengers series, I don't think it ended, but it did end. And it's like, all right, what's next? <laughs> yeah, it's like, how many times can you see Robert Downey Jr. play Iron Man? I would love to, or, I would love to have him come back, by the way. <laughs> I love, yeah, I'd love to have him come back. But, you know, variety is the spice of life. It is. And so, yeah, they, they, they need to rotate and mix things up. And they're doing a good job of doing that. And that was the one thing I liked about Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man with Tom Holland, is they found, especially when they went to Europe, mm-hmm. and Peter Parker had to, like, there was a part of that film and that story where, like, I don't know if I can live up to the potential of being Iron Man because there was so much pressure for right. Peter Parker to be the next Iron Man. That was the right. same thing with with the Winter Soldier and the well, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Who's going to be the next Captain America? Captain America, yeah. And I got I geeked out, Alejandro, when Peter Parker got what was in his zone on the airplane or in the jet. Uh huh. And if you know what I'm talking about when they went. Yeah, yeah. uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. And he puts on the music and it's like that ACDC. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I love that. That was a nod to the first Iron Man. Yeah. I was was like, oh man, I'm so geeking out because I was like, he's Spider- He 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 is Spider-Man, but he is Iron Man right here. Yes, yes. And then the same thing with the Falcon. I was like, Oh, when I found out, like, if, I don't know if you watched the series, the Fal- I don't know if you watched the whole entire. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Was it messed up for like that lookalike or that lookalike or what was it? That super soldier saying he's Captain America. And I'm like, you're not Captain America. You're not, you're not Steve Rogers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think that's funny. Cause like when he kept like, uh, the, the guy, the, Get his name. He wanted to be the new Captain America. He's like, he would. He's like, do you know who I am? I'm Captain America. And I was thinking, you don't tell somebody that you're Captain America. They tell you. Like with a grandmaster, a grandmaster doesn't tell you he's a grandmaster. People tell you. Like you, somebody says you're a grandmaster. Like they say you're a leader. You don't say that you're a leader. You do what you do, and you become a leader. And somebody lets you know if you're a leader or not. Right. Yeah. And I think that's Captain America. Captain America is a title, but you don't say you're Captain America. You do the things that make you Captain America. And that's what makes you Captain America. And that's what I remember in the later. It was like somewhere in the middle of the, in that series that mentioned that. And actually it was like it was the black it was the black Captain America, wasn't it? Like, again, it showed color. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's. And it was so relevant to today because I was like, I could relate. 
I rather have him become my hero, just like Steve Rogers was. And yeah. Like, right. I, I was like, I can't see the other, like the, the one that you personally, like when the government, the United States government says you're captain, you're no, you're not captain America. Yeah. <laughs> you have to yeah. earn it. You have to earn you it. You have to earn it. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Rogers worked hard, his butt off. He had to fight right. off. He had to fight off Hydra in order to. <laughs> well, he always did what was right, even when he wasn't a super soldier. That's what I also liked about Marvel and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Disney altogether. They tapped into areas that really that were that focused on. They tackled a lot of these issues, social issues. Again, it goes back to that what you hear in your brain and well, in your mind and your heart, your physical form. Because, like for instance, like. Bucky was going through so much PTSD in that right with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier because he was mm-hmm. always immune to what the working the inner workings of Hydra and right. now he's just paying it's like people go through it all the time in reality and I feel like Marvel did it best and how they relate to today's compared to DC in my opinion right I, I think Marvel did it and then like I think they did a great job too with Wolverine. Right. Like, I know they didn't, they didn't make Marvel didn't yeah with Logan that was like a great example of struggling with mental health on a daily basis because it's not it's not something that you can fall it just triggers you at random situations and you're like you just got to deal with it and uh yeah and Disney, yeah. Disney and Marvel did it best in how they tackled mental that's it mental health Especially now. We are excited to introduce Disney Genie Service coming this fall to Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort. Built right into our existing mobile apps, this complimentary new digital service will help you create your best Disney day. Disney Genie is your expert in itinerary planning designed to make personalized recommendations for you, helping save time so you can have more fun from morning to night. Start by telling Disney Genie your wishes for your time at Disney. Do you love princesses, stormtroopers, turkey legs, all of the above? Disney Genie will easily create your best Disney day with your preferences in mind. Itineraries update continually as the day progresses so you can better go with the flow. Disney Genie does the work so that you can stay focused on pure fun. View your favorites in one place on your tip board taking the guesswork out of what's next. Disney Genie can help you predict when you might experience quicker access to attractions so you can spend less time waiting in line. Dining reservations, restaurant wait lists, and mobile order service have never been simpler than with Disney Genie. Check in right from your phone and you'll be taking your first bite before you can say Mickey Mouse. Have a question? Ask about the resort from anywhere in the parks. Want to make the absolute most of your time? Purchase Disney Genie Plus service with your ticket to use our new Lightning Lane entrance at a variety of attractions. You'll save time in line as you make one available selection at a time throughout the day. You can also individually purchase a time to arrive at one or two specific attractions each day using the Lightning Lane entrance, offered in addition to our standby and virtual queues. Both options are easy and simple with same-day planning for attractions and integrate right into all your other plans in your Disney Genie itinerary. Also part of Disney Genie Plus, enjoy audio experiences 
tailored to specific locations throughout our magical lands. And capture memories in new ways with Disney PhotoPass. With unlimited downloads from the day you're visiting at Disneyland Resort, or innovative new augmented reality photo lenses if you're visiting Walt Disney World Resort. Live in the moment, enjoy the magic, and rule your park day. Disney Genie and Disney Genie Plus services will help you make magical memories sure to last a lifetime. Your adventure is your choice, and it's just a wish away. Disney Genie, you've never had a friend like this. Gloves off. What do you think of WandaVision? I loved it. And it was great. Uh, it was a great story. I personally love that we got to see a female lead throughout the entire series and that she didn't need a male savior. And it was just a great, well-written quality story. It's hard to watch because it's depressing. Yeah. And sometimes you want to watch something that's not depressing. It started but, happy. It started really happy. And then all of a sudden, like, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> it's getting too real. It's getting too real. But uh, yeah, I love that series. That was a great series. And what do you think is gonna happen? Because it's like the way it the way it ended, I was like, oh gosh, Wanda Maximoff now has broken reality. She she now realizes that vision is dead, but <laughs> It's like, and she had two kids, but now they were created. But it's like, now you have the other side of WandaVision, which is that witch. Right. Yeah. Agatha Harkness. Ag Agatha Harkness. Yeah. Which, by the way, in the comics, Agatha was her mentor. I read about that. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And that uh, in the comics, Magneto is her father. And really? she actually had... She has a sister. She has another sister named Polaris who also controls metal. Um, but I don't know if she'll be introduced at any time in the Marvel Universe. If you love to help turn a good Disney vacation into a magical Disney memory, Plan Disney is looking for you. The search begins September 9th. The 2022 Plan Disney search is on. You can use your Disney knowledge to help other guests make their vacations magical right from your computer at home. Here's how Plan Disney works. Guests ask questions about the ins and outs of Walt Disney World Resort, Disneyland Resort, Disney Cruise Line, and Disney Vacation Club on PlanDisney.com. Then the Plan Disney panelists, that's us, Use our first-hand knowledge and some serious research to provide customized answers from home. We offer encouragement, personalized guidance, and relevant tips for their family's vacation questions. Plan Disney panelists answer questions in English, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. There are a few extras and social media projects thrown in too as part of the Plan Disney experience. If you're passionate about helping people all over the world plan their next Disney vacation, Plan Disney wants to hear from you for 2022. You can submit your Plan Disney application from noon Eastern, September 9th through noon Eastern, September 14th. The Plan Disney search for new panelists is made up of three rounds, short answer questions, a short video, and an interview. What are we looking for? You being you. Share your knowledge of Disney in a clear and concise way, but be sure to let your personality shine through because that's the power of Plan Disney. We're a guest just like you. Good luck and thanks for wanting to help us make Disney vacations even more magical for everyone.
shopping. What comic book superhero are people buying, in your opinion, online or at physical comic book or toy store? Well, I just went into a comic book shop the other day. And I want to say right now it's still Batman. Because Batman is just like so, even if he's not relatable, he just looks cool. Like he's moody, dark, like a lot of neutral tones, black, gray. Anybody can buy that and they'll put, you know, buy, they'll buy shirts of it. They'll buy keychains of it. They'll would dress up as a costume, you know, Batman. I, I still think it's Batman. And I agree with that, by the way, because, well, people are buying Lego Batmans for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they want to, they want that iron tank that in the dark night rises. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. What are you looking forward for Marvel and DC? And are you, well, what are you looking forward for Marvel and DC? And are you into Star Wars? I'm looking forward, honestly, for, for Marvel to dial it back a little bit with the movies. Here's why. It's become, comic books have preach become it, more... Preach it, preach it, preach <laughs> it. Comic books have become more expensive to buy because so many people are into the movies now. And I think that's great because that's keeping the industry alive. And we need that now more than ever, especially you know, since COVID, like a lot of sales went down. You know, and it brings in the just, fandom, new fandom. Yeah. It brings in the fandom and it brings in the money. But it's it's like, like I, well, I studied at the school in Scottsdale, Arizona called the Scottsdale Artist School. And when I studied there, I was younger and I was, you know, I would work alongside people that were older, like in their 60s or 70s and they were retired. And I was able to study with some great painters because these older people a large majority of them were the ones like keeping the doors open. And so I, the way that I see the industry now is like all this fandom from the movies is great because it's keeping the doors open, but it would be nice if, if they would just like pound it back a little bit, you know, cause I'd really like to be able to buy comic books again and it not cost me so much money. Wow. Okay. Why? How much are comic books these days? Well, like a standard single issue is like four to $5. It used to be like three and I understand inflation and everything, but I'm just saying like, oh, that's pretty high. But even the paperbacks like this book here, uh, I mean, people can't see, but it's the Green Lantern Omnibus Whoa. by Jeff Johns, volume two. This cost, it says it's 125, but I got it on Amazon for like 70 or $75. Still like that's, that's, I guess that's reasonable, but that's right now. That's the only course I can take to buying comic books because I can't buy 30 issues of the green lantern because it would cost me $300. Whoa. Like how much of a collection of comic books do you have? Well, I have, well, you can't see cause it's pocket, but I have, I don't know. I would say at least 150 graphic novels. If you had to sell them, I, how much? Would it? <laughs> I mean, I have like, I have like the entire why the last man, I have the entire preacher, I have the entire walking dead. I have the entire ultimate X-Men. I have the, I've been collecting the essentials. So I have like 40 essentials. Like that's the paperback books I talked about earlier. And I have a few absolute editions. And that's when they do like this large format, beautifully bound books that are like a hundred dollars a piece. And I have the entire Sandman series, the long Halloween from Batman. Uh, you know, this is why I couldn't get a date when I was younger, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You, you, you had a life and that was the life of comics. Don't I worry. had the life of comics. 
<laughs> well, that's why you go to Comic Con. You can find your equal there. <laughs> there yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's where I go for dates. <laughs> hey, um, I I see people met, meet their wives and girlfriends at Comic Con. <laughs> whatever works. Whatever works. Um, yeah. And Star Wars. Are you into it? Yeah, I'm into. I'm into the storytelling part of it. I'm not really into the movies, and here's why. Tell me, because I lo- I like I like the visuals, and I like the the designs, the spaceships, and the droids. The problem with that is, is that at least for me as an illustrator, if you if you start to look at stuff too much, then you stop thinking. So that's why I like the books more. Like even with comic books, a lot of the work is done for me and that's nice, but I still have room to think like, what about this, like these two panels in between, what would happen? So basically, Uh, that's funny how you say that because if you remove the visual effects and just focus on the storyline and the actual plot, that's truly what storytelling is in film and filmmaking. Right. Is honestly, or even on the television side, for me, that's how, because when you watch, like, for instance, Avengers Endgame or Captain Marvel or Iron Man, they're visually, they have so many special effects, visual effects, and it takes away the actual story of why the comic, why this, why Iron Man first exists in the comics. Right, right. Like, uh, I heard this audio clip from uh, Chris Cornell. He used to be the lead singer for Soundgarden and Audio Slave. And uh, he said he passed away a few years ago. And I heard this audio clip of just Chris Cornell singing, just just his audio. And his voice was like so, it was beautiful. He had a beautiful voice. Like, he had great range, great depth, like a lot of bass to it. And I was thinking, like, that is why Soundgarden, that's why Audio Slave is so good. Because Chris Cornell knew that he it can't just be about the guitars and the and the lyrics. It has to like you have to has it has to have a base to it, you know, it has to have a foundation. And yeah, we we're going back to Star Wars and, and Marvel, and it's all about quality of storytelling. They all understand that there's a base to it, like the visual effects and everything that adds to it. That that elaborates it. It makes it more visually appealing. Or like my suits, you know, I, I like to wear suits yeah. and ties. But a suit and tie doesn't make me read about Jean Valjean or Les Mis or Grapes of Wrath or any of that stuff. That's me. That's because I think about that stuff, right? That's what the suit and tie just adds to it. Well, but it doesn't make are. me. And it, 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 adds, it's, it adds to who I am, but it, like it doesn't make me automatically. Go, oh, now I know all about all this stuff because I put on a suit and tie. You know, it's yeah, just um, we're a travel show, as you know, and we're yes. a we we've gone to the cinematic journey, well, more of the comic book journey of comics and DC and Marvel. But let's talk about you, Alejandro. What? are your favorite places around the world that you visited or want to visit? What are your dream destinations? Well, I studied it. I studied in France at, in the Loire Valley and I studied figure painting and drawing there. Really? And, okay. and that was, I stayed in a small town called Les Circaux to Paso I'm sure I butchered it in French, but it was a beautiful small village 
And when I think about traveling, Kevin, that would be the one place where I would love to go back and stay. I stayed like in this old windmill farm and I would love to just have a car and just drive around and get lost because there was so much history there everywhere I went. There was like old abandoned chateaus that were decrepit and um, like just like hundred year old buildings attached next to modern buildings. There's castles. It's just like, oh, it's just so such a curious place to travel. So I would definitely want to go to the South, the Southern Valley of France. That would be my dream destination. So you were in France. Mm-hmm. And, wow. Okay. Awesome. Interesting. Really cool. And so you, have you been anywhere else besides France? Well, I've been to Mexico, but Mexico doesn't count. No. <laughs> Everybody goes to Mexico. Uh, I've also stayed in Jordan for four months. Really? What was that like? And I, a, it was a different country. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> um, but it was cool because I got to see Petra, which is one of the oldest cities in the world. And I got to see the treasury where they filmed Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. That was really cool. And then I got to ride a horse for a little bit. And that was fun. And, you know, it's just like a bunch of old aqueducts from, and from thousands of years ago and trinkets and stuff they sold. That was really interesting. And just because I think the world, you know, the world, is, the world is an oyster when it comes to information. And there's, you know, there's, Never a day where you cannot learn something. You can always learn something new. Exactly. But that was a very interesting city. Wow. Again, for those listening, Alejandro wants to go to France again because he studied there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'd love to go back to France. So anybody who's listening? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll join him. If, if, if yes, I'm yeah. We'll have, to, well, you, we'll have to get some French comic books. The comic books out there are, are different. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. I went to a, a French comic book shop and I didn't buy a comic book there and I, I kind of regret it. But the formatting was just like the, so different. So different than here. Um, it's just very interesting. And I, I really regret not spending more time trying to figure out the French culture and French comic books. I have to say thank you so much, Alejandro, for coming on board our wonderful show. And thank you so much. Any last words before we close out here? Uh, no, thank you, Kevin. This was quite a treat. I know we met during Toast in our Toastmasters group. And I'm just really excited that I got to share my bits of wisdom or whatever that may be about comic books. My love of comics. And I, it's really nice that I have a fellow friend that also loves comics just as much as I do. Um, we'll have to duke it out to see who's who's the bigger fan then. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And before I go, well, first off, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And before we go, let's listen. To, let's listen to this.
So there you go. That was great. Awesome. That was great. Man.